delighted to be here, me and my wife, to be with Brother Cover and his family and his church. I am so proud of him, what God has done through his life. Amen. It's just amazing what God has done here at Arise Baptist Church. And we sure do love Brother Cover and his wife and family and his church. I've been preaching now for 67 years. Amen. I'm crowding 90. <laughs> and uh, me and my wife have been married 71 years. Amen. That was last, last Thursday, our anniversary. And uh, so glad to see Brother and Miss Salomone here, Rosie. I'd like for them to raise their hand. Where are they at? Right there. Uh, Rosie was raised the first house behind Greenwood Village. And I saw her grow up just a little girl. The whole family was raised in the first house behind Greenwood Village. And we sure do love them and glad they're here today. And uh, is Brother and Miss Southers here? They said they was going to try to come. I guess they didn't make it. And uh, Miss Sandy Farrell is here. Raise your hand, Sandy. Her and her husband years ago gave me a shotgun. <laughs> Is automatic shotgun. I still have it. And they've been longtime friends. Glad to see her here today. And, uh, and Brother Ms. Armstrong. Brother Armstrong had a little heat stroke a few days ago. He was in the emergency room in the hospital, and I'm glad he's able to come today. He ought not to climb up in the attic to change... Uh, uh, filter, and he had a little stroke. I'm surprised he got down out of the attic. And then he had to go to the emergency room. And uh, he's decided he's not going to do anything anymore that he can't do. He's going to ha have it hired done. <laughs> I think that's the way to do it. And then I'm glad to see Miss Dixie Fincher here today. They've been wonderful friends. He went to heaven a few months ago. And uh, I haven't bought a car now since 94. Brother Fincher, Brother Miss Fincher saw to it that I had a car. They, they were such a blessing. And I'll never forget what she said one day. She came by the house and she said, if Brother Fincher came home and told me I'm going to give our house to Brother Clayton. She said, I think it'll be okay. They never did give me their house, but they gave me a lot of things. They gave me a car, and they were so kind and uh, helped me all these years. And then uh, Brother and Miss Storm has been great blessings to, to our family, too. God bless you. And... Uh, I'm especially blessed this morning to have Brother Mark Lowry here. Brother Mark was saved. Raise your hand, Brother Mark. Brother Mark Lowry is famous. I wish I was famous as he was. He's famous. And he was saved at Beulah Land. And... Uh, his mother was my pianist for about 10 years. And his daddy was my lawyer. And whenever they went to Lynchburg, Virginia, he was Dr. Jerry Falwell's lawyer. And they've been long-time wonderful friends. And, Mark, and Brother Mark just lives a few miles from here. And I'm glad he's here today. We sure do love him. He made my day. Well, okay, are you ready for the message? Yes, sir. 
If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Kings chapter 10, and I want to read verses 15 through 27. 2 Kings chapter 10. You'll find 2 Kings right after 1 Kings. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 10, verse 15. <clears throat> and when he was departed thence, he delighted on Jonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. And he saluted him and said to him, Is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? And Jonadab answered, It is. If it be, give me thy hand. And he gave him his hand and took him up to him into the chariot. And he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. I want you to underline those words. Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride in his chariot. And when he came to Samaria, he slew all that remained unto Ahab in Samaria, till he had destroyed him, according to the saying of the Lord, which he spake to Elijah. And Jehu gathered all the people together and said unto them, Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu shall serve him much. Now therefore call unto me all the prophets of Baal, all his servants, all his priests. Let none be wanting, for I have a great sacrifice to do to Baal. Whosoever shall be wanting, he shall not live. But Jehu did it in subtlety to the intent that he might destroy the worshipers of Baal. And Jehu said, Proclaim a solemn assembly for Baal, and they proclaimed it. And Jehu sent through all Israel, and all the worshipers of Baal came. So there was not a man left that came not. And they came into the house of Baal, and the house of Baal was full from one end to another. And he said unto them that was over the vestry, Bring forth vestments for all the worshipers of Baal. And he brought them forth vestments. And Jehu went, and Jonadab the son of Rechab, into the house of Baal, and said unto the worshipers of Baal, Search, and look that there be here with you none of the servants of the Lord, but the worshipers of Baal only. And when they went in to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings, Jehu appointed fourscore men without and said, If any of the men whom I have brought into your hands escape, he that letteth him go, his life shall be for the life of him. And it came to pass, as soon as he had made an end of the offering the burnt offering, that Jehu said to the garden, to the captains, Go in and slay them. Let none come forth. And they smote them with the edge of the sword. And the guard and captains cast them out and went to the city of the house of Baal. And they brought forth the images out of the house of Baal and burned them. And they break down the image of Baal and break down the house of Baal and made a drought house unto this day. Thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Would you underline especially verse 16? And he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride in his chariot. Jehu anointed Israel. Jehu was anointed king over Israel in the days of the ministry of the prophet Elisha. 
He was strong and ambitious and zealous for the cause of God. He had zeal, and we need zeal in this day in the work of the Lord. Amen. There's a sad lack of zeal and enthusiasm in many churches yes, today. That's right. Zeal for the Lord is a wonderful virtue. Amen. The Bible describes Jehu in 2 Kings 9 verse 20, for he driveth furiously. <laughs> People use the expression while he's they're driving down the road like Jehu. That's the kind of man he was. He drove his chariot of horses furiously. He was zealous in everything that he did. He was a rambunctious sort of a man. He was the one responsible for the death of Jezebel, that wicked queen that God said had to be destroyed. And this one man at this one time destroyed the whole system of Baal worship in Israel. He was zealous for the Lord so much so that he said one time, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Now what did he mean by that? Well, if you take a dictionary and look up the word zeal, you find the word zeal means eager. The word zeal means interest. It means enthusiasm. It means great endeavor. It means devotion or it means fervor. Yes. In other words, Jehu is saying, come with me and see my interest for the things of God. Come with me and see my enthusiasm. See my endeavor, see my devotion, see my fervor for God. Now many people today wouldn't say wouldn't dare say that because they don't have any enthusiasm to demonstrate. It's a sad lack in the work of God that there's not more interest and more enthusiasm and more honest endeavor and devotion and fervor for the cause of God. Yes. Yes. Jehu said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. You read in the Bible that even people who had religion, not salvation, not Christ, not the truth, nothing but religion, sometimes have a zeal for God. Romans 10, verse 2. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God or for God, but not according to knowledge. When Paul was saved and later gave his testimony in Philippians 3, verse 6, he said, concerning zeal persecuting the church. This was before he was saved. He had nothing but religion. He wasn't a Christian. He didn't know the Lord. He said, I was so zealous before I was ever saved thinking these Christians were wrong that I went about persecuting the church. Yes. And you know, Jesus had zeal. Jesus was full of zeal. Yes. You read in Isaiah 9, verse 7, prophetical statements about Jesus, what it would be like and what it would do. Isaiah 9 verse 7 says, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That's prophecy concerning Jesus. Isaiah 59 verse 17, He was clad with zeal as a cloak. Yes. So it's Christ-like. It's godly. It's a divine, wonderful characteristic to be enthusiastic and fervent about what you do for the Lord Jesus Christ. God, give us more of this kind of characteristic that Jehu had when he said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Amen. Now, the Bible gives many things that we Christians ought to be zealous about. Now, that's my introduction. Every message has to have an introduction before you get to the first big point. And that brings me to my first big point. The Bible teaches we're to have zeal for the Bible, the Word of God. Amen. We're to have zeal for the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 139. The psalmist said, My zeal hath consumed me, because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. In other words, the psalmist said, Because people have forgotten the Word of God, my zeal for it has literally consume me, it eats me up, my zeal for the Bible. 
Jehu was zealous for the Bible. If you remember when he slew Jezebel, that wicked queen, he said in 2 Kings 9, verse 36, this is the word of the Lord. Jehu said God decreed that this wicked woman should die. That's why we have this slaying. This is the word of the Lord. Then when he slew 70 young men, you say, well, isn't that a cruel thing? No, it's the judgment of God. Ahab had 70 sons. Lord have mercy. Seven, he had 70, one man <laughs> had 70 sons. And God said, the whole house of Ahab must be destroyed. Every one of them. So, when Jehu was anointed king, was anointed king he said about to do exactly what God said had to be done. 2 Kings 9, verse 7, verse 8, And thou shalt smite the house of Ahab thy master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. Verse 8, For the whole house of Ahab shall perish. And when these 70 sons were slain, their heads were piled in two piles, 35 bloody heads in one pile and 35 bloody heads in another pile. And Jehu said, Know now that there shall fall, 2 Kings 10, verse 10, Know now that there shall fall unto the earth nothing of the word of the Lord, which the Lord spake concerning the house of Ahab. In other words, Jehu was zealous for the word of God. Well, what does that mean? How are you going to be zealous for the Bible? Well, first of all, it ought to mean that you should study it. That's right. I know that's a bad word. <laughs> Every Christian ought to study the Bible. Second Timothy 2.15, study. Show thyself proved unto God a work when need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Every once in a while on our vacation, we'd visit a church and visit Sunday school. And one Sunday we visited a Sunday school and the teacher came out and said, sorry class, just didn't have time to study this past week. You know what I'd do if I was sitting in a class like that? I'd never come back. I mean, that Sunday school teacher, ought to be so full of the Word of God, it, it just consumes him. He, he can't deliver all of it. Amen. He don't have time to deliver all of it. Yes. Uh, that's the way it ought to be. You ought to be so full of the Word of God. And you're ding, 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 ding. What was that? <laughs> oh, teacher, sorry. Sunday school's over. He just didn't have time to deliver all the Word of God. Amen. Well, secondly, I'm sure that to be zealous for the Bible means to make it known. My dear Christian friends, why do we not feel more the responsibility to make the Word of God known? Mm. Psalm 68, 11. The, word gave, the Lord gave the Word. Great was the company of those that published it. That's the kind of Christian people, that's the kind of Christian people we ought to be, not only to study it, but to make it known. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, And the things thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. There's a chain in that verse. Me, thou, faithful men, others. Yes, right. Zeal for the Bible is to make the Bible known. Thirdly, a zeal for the Bible certainly involves a defense of the Word of God. No Christian ought to ever stand by and let the Bible be attacked without making it known where he stands. Stand up for the Bible. Amen. Stand up for the Word of God. Yes. 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.17, That the man of God may be perfect, 
truly furnished unto all good works. So this Bible is, is inspired of God. Second yes. Peter 1 verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when someone comes along and attacks the Bible, a Christian ought to be zealous enough to defend the Word of God. Yes. Amen. Fourthly, to be zealous for the Bible means to live by the Bible. It's the guideline for our life. It's the rule and precept by which we should live. We're to live by the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how love I thy law. It's my meditation all the day. Zeal for the Bible means not only to study it, but it means to believe it. It means to claim its promises, to make it applicable to your own heart and life. So when Jehu said, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord, first of all, he meant zeal for the Bible. That brings me to my second big point. I believe the Bible teaches there ought to be zeal for the house of God. Yes. Paul said in Acts 17, 24, God dwelleth not in a temple made with hands. There is a sense in which the house of God, the home of God, is not the building of wood and stone and brick and mortar, but this is also where people come whose bodies are the tabernacle for the Holy Ghost. Yes. So this is the house of God. I read where Jesus said in John 2, 17, the zeal, listen, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. Did you hear that? He said that on one occasion when he went into the temple, found them selling and buying, and they had the money changers' tables, making money off of merchandise. They was making money off of merchandise that's supposed to be a sacrifice to the Lord. No one had to go out and pick out of the flock a lamb without spot and blemish. He could come right there and buy it because there were money changers and merchants right there in the temple. And Jesus came in and saw all that and Jesus was filled with anger. You say Jesus never got mad. That's what you think. You ought to read the book of Mark where it says in Mark 3 verse 5, and he looked about upon them with anger. It's no sin to get mad at certain things. Why, well, if I were to go home today and walk in my living room and look over there on my divan, you know what a divan is. <laughs> it's a couch, a couch. I, I walk in my house and I look over at my divan and I'd see a rattlesnake coiled up there on that, on that divan. What do you think I'd do? I'd say, listen, I hate to do this, but I'm going to do it as kindly as I possibly can. I'm going to sever your head from the rest of your body. <laughs> no, I'd go into my bedroom and I'd get my old long tom single shot shotgun and I'd come back in there in the living room and I'd put that shotgun right on that rattlesnake right about there and I'd go POW! Dive band or no dive band. <laughs> It'd just be one more dead rattlesnake. That's what, right. be. Yeah. what if what if someone say well Someone's going to break in your house at midnight. What do you, what do you think you go, what are you going to do? Yeah. I'm going back to my bedroom <laughs> and getting my old long tom. Yeah. Single shot, shotgun. I'm going to get me a chair and put it right, right behind that front door there, set there, that shotgun. And whenever I see that door open and that crook stand there right there in the doorway, I put that, put that gun on the don't move a muscle, I hope you do. Don't move a muscle. <laughs> I mean, it's no sin to get mad at certain things. You ought to be mad with anything that destroys good. Jesus said, 
the zeal, or Jehu said the zeal, or Jesus said it, the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. It's eaten me up. This house is a place where people worship. Amen. You don't have zeal for the house of God. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I, I, I love this house. I do. I love this little stand right here. I love that. Oh, I love all these pictures. Isn't that good? Look at all that. I love all that. Yes, I do. Oh, look at that tractor over I love that. Oh, look at that bush over I like it. I love it. Oh, I love that too. Give you words when you don't know what to say. Give you some words. Not a word. Oh, look at all these pictures over Oh, I love that. I sure do. Look at those comfortable pews. Look at those chairs. I love that. And look on that. And look on that chair right there. Is a glass of water handed to me right now. <laughs> yes, sir, right now. Praise the Lord. Whatever you need in the house of God, you can get it right here. <laughs> Think I'm going to put it right here in case I need it again. Oh, praise the Lord. There it is. Amen. And I, I like that back there. That microphone. I love this right there. Microphone. I just love the house of God. I love everything about the house of God. Amen. Amen. Hold my mule while I shout. Yes, sir. Amen. <laughs> you see, I used to run around. I don't do it anymore. I hang on so I won't fall. Amen. Hallelujah. And I tell you something else. You ought not to go to sleep in the house of God. Like that dear lady, her husband, every Sunday morning, they sit on next to the aisle there on about the fifth pew. And, uh, and uh, he'd be wide awake for the congregational singing, quartet singing. And then would come time for the preacher to preach. He'd get comfortable right there in the edge of the pew and his lower, lower jaw fall down and you could hear the air whistle in and out of the corner of his mouth while, while the preacher was preaching. <laughs> and the dear ladies said to the preacher, preacher, I'm so ashamed, I'm sorry. I guess you noticed my husband's wide awake for the congregational singing, quartet singing. Come time he'd preach, he gets comfortable. That lower jaw falls down, you can hear there, there we're whistling out of corner. She said, what, what can I do? He said, I'll tell you what to do this afternoon. Uh, go to the drugstore and uh, get you a little bottle of quinine and bring it to the service tonight. She said, okay. She believed in obeying her pastor. She went to the drugstore and got a little bottle of quinine. And that night, her husband, wide awake during the congregational singing, quartet singing, came time for the preacher to preach. He got comfortable and put it along the corner of his mouth and went whistling. He said, get that little bottle of quinine when he does that and squirt it right in the corner of his mouth. <laughs> she said, okay, I'll do it. Oh, he was wide awake, congregational singing, quartet singing. Time for the preacher to preach, he got comfortable. His jaw fell down, the wind whistling out. She got that little bottle of quinine and squirted it right in the corner of his mouth. And whenever she did, he, he did something like this. He stood up and raised both hands and said, Hold it, preacher. Hold it. Pray for me. I think my gallbladder's busted. Pray for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus said, 
Matthew 21, 13, it's written, My house should be called the house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And Jesus drove out those money changers, turned the tables over, took the chains, scattered it up and down the temple floor. He had zeal for the house of God. Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Bring me to my third big point. Now, whenever I announce my third big point, I'm going to ask that nobody shout. I'm asking that you can hold it down. I don't want you to get beside yourself. And I announce this third big point. Thirdly, are you ready? Thirdly, you ought to have zeal in giving. Oh, you did so good. You did. That was so good. That's, that's what I call holding it down. Amen. Amen. You didn't get excited over that? No, no. Bible teaches we ought to give with zeal. We're to give with enthusiasm. We're to give with fervor. Notice 2 Corinthians 9, verse 2. Paul was dealing with the subject of giving, and he said, Your zeal hath provoked very many. Mm -hmm. He wasn't talking here about praying. He wasn't talking here about soul winning. Oh, he's talking about the matter of giving. He's complimenting these churches that he's saying, your zeal in giving has provoked many. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write unto you. In other words, Paul said, you're doing such a wonderful job in giving. I don't have to write any additional instruct, instructions to you about giving. You're doing so good. Your zeal in giving provoked many other people in churches to give. You know, I think a church ought to be known as a giving church. Yes. Amen. A great big giving church, big-hearted church. That's what we need. God blesses a church like that. That's what I try to teach people, our folk at Greenwood Village all those years. Be a giving church, a big-hearted church. And, and God just blessed us. We didn't have any money. If I had a dollar in my pocket in those days, I thought I had a lot of money. Just had a dollar. Nobody in church had any money. It's amazing what God did for a church that didn't have any money. Fifteen buses went all across north side of Houston. One Sunday morning, I had a pastor call me. And he said, you are a sheep stealer. That's what he called me. A sheep stealer. Because I sent a bus over in his neighborhood to pick people up. He said, you're a sheep stealer. And whenever I was in Greenwood Village, he was the first one to call me and wanted me to come for a revival, and I did. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have him. I had a big youth camp, big annual Bible conference, big school, 400 students on television every Sunday morning. Didn't have any money. God blesses a church it has a great big heart. God blesses a church like that. Amen. Yes, he does. Never will forget our big annual Bible conference. I had Brother Curtis McCarley come to there every year. And Brother McCarley, one year, was accidentally killed. They was hauling some old gravel into the parsonage driveway and boarded an old dump truck. Fellow said, if you ever raise that bed up and you won't release this load, call me. I couldn't take care of it. He had his last load he brought in, 
raised it up and it wouldn't release the load. He reached up underneath there and touched something that came down on top of it, killed him instantly. And his, his son, Van, crippled boy, standing there, saw all of it. But I got to thinking about that. All those years I had Brother Curtis come and his wife never came. I don't know why I didn't say, now, Brother Curtis, bring your wife. We'll pay the plane fare. Bring your wife. I wanted her to come. I don't know why I didn't make it a point. And so I called Miss McCarley. I said, Miss McCarley, all those years, Brother Curtis came, preached for us. You didn't come, but I wanted you to. I'm sorry. I wanted you to come. I said, would you come this year to the Bible conference? We'd like to honor you. She started crying. She said, I don't know about you honoring me, but she said, I sure would like to come. I said, okay, I'm going to send you the plane fare ticket. I want you to come. And about a month before the Bible conference, uh, I told the people that whenever Miss McCarley comes, I'm going to have her come to the platform, and I want you to stand up and, and, and whistle and clap and, and just carry on just like she hit a home run or something. <laughs> I, I want you to do it. And I said, we're going to practice. I said, I'm introducing Miss McCarley now. I want to see what you're going to do. And they jumped up and started whistling and clapping. I said, oh, that's not good enough. I said, I want you to really, really let her know we're glad to have her. And I said, whenever I raise my hand like I want you to stop, that would be a signal to get louder. <laughs> and whenever I'm ready for you to stop, I'll raise both hands and cut my finger like that. That'd be a sign you can taper off. Okay? So we practice for a month. I have them stand and I do this, and they get louder, and I do this, and they taper off. McCarley came, and on Wednesday night I had her stand. That place was packed out. And boy, they jumped up and was whistling, clapping, carrying on. And I tried to stop them, and they got louder. Just got louder. I looked at Miss McCarley, big old tear run down her cheek. And finally I did this, and they tapered off. And I told the men of our church after the service that night, I said, I want you all to meet me in the cafeteria, all the men. And all the men stayed and met me in the cafeteria after that night service. I said, God laid it on my heart that we give her a new car. I heard she had an old junk heap of a car. I said, God, put it my heart that we buy her and give her a new car tomorrow night. I said, how many would like to help me do that? All the men raised their heads. I could have bought her two, two brand new cars. Brother Bailey, he's in heaven now, our deacon who was banker, he, he took note of all of it and got the information. And next day went and bought her a brand new car. And going home that night, I thought of Van, that crippled boy. I said, I'm going to call Van and see if he'll get over here for the poor night. They live in North Carolina. I called Van. I told him what we was going to do. I said, Van, I'm going to honor your mama tomorrow night. I want you to be here. Would you come? He started crying. I said, I'm sending you the ticket right now. You fly over here be here tomorrow night. He said, okay. That Thursday night, one of the greatest nights we ever had at our church. You talk about a crowd. They filled up the choir loft, chairs in the aisle, everywhere we could put a chair. How many was there that night? Some might be here. They were there that night, yes. And I, I introduced Van and 
his mama, and I had him stand. Boy, they started clapping, carrying on. Tried to stop me, got louder. And finally they tapered off. And I had the men, and I said, get me a picture of that car, put it underneath the, the, the pulpit there. And uh, I, I told Brother, Brother Gray was there, a couple preachers, I said, put a blanket here in front of, I got a blanket here, put it in front of Miss McCarley and, and Van. I want to show the people out here what we got for them in just a minute. And they put that, that blanket in front of them, and, and I got that picture of that car out, and I said, this is what we got for them right outside the front door. And everybody went, Finally, I told him, I said, take the blanket down. I want him to see what I got for him right outside the front door. And they just cried. And I looked out there that day, that night. Grown men I've never seen cry. I saw them cry. I thought the Lord was going to come back that night. I mean, the power of God was there so I just I didn't see how we'd get through the service without the Lord coming back. People just weeping. And I don't know why I did this too. I, I heard that Van and and his mama sang duets sometimes. I said, Would y'all sing us a song? They said, We will. And they stood behind the pulpit, and this is what they sang from sinking sand. Amen. He lifted me. And they sang through that. I thought it was all over. I, I, I thought the Lord had to come back. I've never been in such a service like that. Oh. When they got through singing, I told Deacons, I said, take them out to the front. I want them to see the car first. We'll have prayer. And we'll, you take them on out to the front. I said, bring that car right up to the front door. Run over several bushes. <laughs> Who cares about bushes at a time like that? And we, I called on somebody to pray. I ran down the aisle. I got, I wanted to be at the front door. I wanted to see everything that's going to happen. I told him, I said, now listen, all you men, as you come out, hug Van and put some money in his hand. They got to have some money to get that car back to North Carolina. I said, I said to the women, I said, I want you to hug Miss McCarley. Put some money in her hand. They got to have some money they got to get that car back to North Carolina. And I saw them come out. Nobody hurried. It had to be over 1,200 people. Everybody in line. All the women came and pressed money in her hand. She had money all over, some on the floor. Men all hugged. Van gave him money. He had money everywhere. And the last person out was Miss Hancock. I'll never forget Miss Hancock. She looked over there where I was standing after she hugged Miss McCarley. And she couldn't, came over and stood in front of me. And she said, Preacher, what in the world can we do next? She got caught up in the greatest beatitude as more better to give and to receive. She, Preacher, what can we do next? God blesses a church like that. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Amen. <laughs> 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 Amen. 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 I'm trying to get through that big point. Can I tell you, when me and my wife started tithing, about 68 years ago, see, I, 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 I was a brick mason. Before I became a preacher, I was a brick mason. I laid, I, I could get a towel, a trowel right now, and I could lay brick. You don't forget it, but don't call on me to do it. <laughs> no. 
just have to get a little bit of this. She got in it. And so, uh, I, was, I, was, I was a brick mason. I was a brick mason. I was a union brick mason, a bricklayer, union. You know what union bricklayers made back in those days, in the 50s, early 50s? $20 a day. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're in construction work, you know what I'm talking about. You only get paid for the time of work you put in. If you're not working, you don't get paid for that. And would you believe that the week we decided we are going to start tithing, it rained four days out of five. Four. I worked one day. That way I made $20. Sunday morning, we were in the youth department. I said, I had a $5 bill. I said, Anybody in this youth department change this $5 bill? I said, I'm going to get my tithe today, $2. There wasn't anybody in there that could change a $5 bill. <laughs> I walked down the hall to the adult department. I said, anybody in here change a $5 bill? I'm going to get my tithe today, $2. And wouldn't anybody in there could change a $5 bill. I came back and sat by my wife. I said, honey, this is the brokest crowd I've ever seen. <laughs> Nobody changed a $5 bill, so I gave my tithe day $2. And my wife said, honey, why don't you just give the whole thing? I said, what? <laughs> I only made $20. She said, give, give, give the whole thing. I said, okay. <laughs> I got my envelope, put it in that envelope, sealed it, dropped every bit of it in the altar plate. And you know what? Next day, Monday, I was working over in Northeast Houston. We was building a filling station, laying concrete blocks. You lay concrete blocks all day, you'll get dirty. I came home, first thing I do, kiss my wife, go to the back bedroom, change my clothes, gotta get cleaned up. And I reached in my pocket. And I felt some kind of crisp. I said, what is this? It's a $10 bill. I said, honey, honey, when I came in, kids, you slipped a $10 bill in my pocket. <laughs> she said, no. Where did it come from? I don't know. Maybe an angel of God went over to Fort Knox and lifted one of them and stuck it right there, stuck it right there in my pocket. My tithe was $2. I gave $5. The next day, God doubled it and gave me a $10 bill. And you know what? I have been a tither ever since. <laughs> a tither. Oh, it works. Come with me, see my zeal for the Lord. Fourth big point. I'm going to hurry through the last three. 
Then the Bible teaches there ought to be zeal for people. I'm impressed by what the Bible says about this. I read, I read, for instance, where Paul wrote about a man by the name of Epaphras. You don't hear much about him. He wasn't popular like Peter. He wasn't as fruitful as Paul. But one thing Paul said of Epaphras when he wrote to the Colossians, Colossians 4, verse 12, 4, verse 13, For I bear him record that he hath great zeal for you. Paul said, Epaphras loves you. He's devoted to you. He's enthusiastic about you. He has great zeal for you. And dear friends, no church can function without this. No church can be blessed of God without this. What's all this program for? What's this preaching for? What's this building for? What's this equipment for? What's the ultimate of all this? It's for people. Amen. Uh, that's what it's for. It's to reach people. This man of Epaphras showed his zeal for people in several ways. First of all, by praying for other Christians. Colossians 4.12, Paul said of him, laboring fervently for you in prayers. Zeal for people. Fifthly, we're to have zeal for God's servants. Now, you may think it's selfish for a preacher of God to preach on it. Not at all. I believe I can show you why. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, verse 6, verse 7. Paul said, Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, that means zeal, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so I rejoice the more. Paul said, greatly encouraged me when I heard of your zeal, your fervent mind toward me, so I rejoice the more. So the Bible teaches a fervor for the servants of God, a zeal for Brother James McKeehan, pastor of Lindell Church over 60 years. He buried it and buried all, everybody in our family. Brother McKeehan. And sometime my mama, she would invite Brother and Sister McKeehan over a Sunday lunch after Sunday morning service. On, on Saturday night, she'd say, Now, honeys, I'm inviting the man of God over and his wife, and he preaches the word of God. He's a soul winner. He preaches uh, funerals. And he, and he prays for people to get well. And Mama just went down the line. I thought somebody more important than the president was coming over. <laughs> Oh, you talk about, you thought, you would have thought it was Thanksgiving. A chicken fried chicken. I'd go out in the backyard and get that chicken, take it and wring its, wring its neck. And Mama fixed that chicken. It always tastes better when you get it right out of the backyard. Oh, it tastes so good. And you know, back in those days, children didn't go first. Adults went first. Preacher and adults went by and got their chicken they wanted. And it was time for us kids to go by and get ours. And all that was left was chicken neck. <laughs> oh, I like the chicken neck. What's happened to the chicken neck? You know, you can't even buy it in stores. That's the best part of the chicken, the chicken neck. Chicken neck, are you getting it? But oh, 
how my mama would honor the man of God. If she'd had a trumpet, I believe she'd have blown it. But it's coming up. Brother McKeehan, if there's ever anything wrong with me, the first person I think about calling is Brother McKeehan. Pray for me, Brother McKeehan. Zeal for the man of God. God blesses the church, has zeal for the man of God. Number six, zeal for right. That's in this chapter, O Jehu has zeal for right. Look at 2 Kings 9, verse 22. It came to pass when Joram saw Jehu, he said that he said, Is it, is it peace, Jehu? Is it peace? That's the kind of fellow he was. People want to know, you had a good humor today, Jehu? Because if he was, somebody's going to get their head chopped off. <laughs> so when this fellow saw Jehu, he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And Jehu answered in 2 Kings 9, verse 22, What peace? So long as the whoredoms of thy mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many. In other words, he said, as long as this bellism's in the land, there's not going to be any peace. What he's actually saying is, I won't be in a good humor until I get rid of all of them. He had zeal to destroy that which was against the word of God. He had zeal for right. Back at Greenwood Village years ago, Whenever we was building a brand new nursery building. And I was selling bonds to, to get the money to build that bit, selling bonds. Whew. I know what the Bible means when it talks about bonds. <laughs> I was selling bonds. I needed to sell about 35,000 more bonds to finish that nursery building. And the builder, he said, Preacher, I have a good friend, Joseph Meyer. The Meyer Speedway was named after him in Houston. Joseph Meyer. I, if I remember correctly, he had his little office there at Houston National Bank there on Main Street there in Franklin, right in there. And uh, the builder got an appointment for me to go see this millionaire, Joseph Meyer. See if he'd buy the rest of our bonds. So I went to the Houston National Bank and he had his little desk down in the basement. Joseph Meyer did, right by all the wire, protect all the money in those vaults in there, I guess. And uh, so I went down there and one o'clock I sat down, he wasn't there. I sat there a good while. And I found out some all important people are late. <laughs> all important people are late. They want you to know they're important. They're late. <laughs> and finally he walked in, Joseph Meyer. He walked right by me. He didn't say a word. Didn't even look at me. He just went over and sat down behind his desk. And he had some some mail there on, the, on his desk, and he got that mail and started opening it, cussing. Said, would you look at that? They're, they're dunning me for $2,000, and they owe me $4,000, and he threw it in the waste paper can. He got another envelope and looked at it, same thing, cussed over it, tore it up, threw it in the waste paper can. I found out something. That's how some people get rich. <laughs> they don't pay their bills. And finally, Joseph Meyer turned and looked at me. This was the introduction. So I want to tell you something. Me and my wife, one night a week, we go out and play pity ante poker. One night a week, penny ante poker. He said, what do you think about that? 
Well, boy, I thought about it right fast. <laughs> if I told him it's okay, that wouldn't be right. And if I told him it was a sin, he ain't gonna buy no bonds. <laughs> I said, Mr. Meyer, if you don't know what I think about it, I said, I think that's wrong. He said, that's just what I thought you'd say. That's just what I thought you'd say. How many bonds you want me to buy? <laughs> I said, 35,000. He said, you got it. Wrote out a check. I got 35. You know what I believe? If I'd have told him it was okay, I believe he would not have bought one bond. He was testing me to see what I believed. He was testing me. Joseph Meyer, a very rich man, bought the rest of those bonds and we built the nursery building because I stood up for what's right. Amen. Amen. That's good. Lastly, I close by saying that the Bible teaches, and here's an ugly word. I hate to use it in public, it's so ugly. Can I do it anyhow? We ought to have zeal to work. Amen. <laughs> Titus 2.14 Purifying to himself peculiar people, zealous of good works. Amen. I read of Darkus in Acts 9.36 this, this woman was full of good works. Brother Eddie Hargroves was the finest bus captain I ever had. We had 15 buses. Sometimes bring in over a thousand on buses on Sunday morning. He came to me one Sunday and said, Brother Clayton, two weeks from today, we have a goal of 100 on our bus and all the kids and everybody wants you to ride, would you ride with us? Tell you the truth, I didn't want to do it. You have to get up early, get on that bus and all. I just didn't want to do it. I said, Brother Eddie, let me pray about it. I'll tell you next Sunday. <laughs> next Sunday he came up to me again and said, Brother Clayton, all the kids, we have a goal of 100, and they want you to ride. Would you go with us? I said, okay, Brother Eddie, what time am I supposed to be there? He told me, and I got there, I got, the, I, got it, I got on the bus. I'll never forget what God did for me that day. I saw Brother Eddie run down the street in front of the bus, jumping over fences, knocking on doors, beating dogs off, getting people out on the side of the road, getting ready to get on that bus when it came by. He literally ran down the road in front of the bus. And we came to a road and we took a right and there's a willow tree in that, in that ditch there and I had the window down a little bit and a limb came and hit me right upside the head. When that limb hit me upside the head, I said, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. <laughs> A little bit later, Brother Eddie got jumped on the bus and he said, I'm happy to announce that we now have a hundred on this bus. I don't know how they did it. And when he said that, a little nine-year-old boy sitting next to me jumped up and said, glory, hallelujah, glory. He just shouted, it scared me. And that bus pulled into Greenwood Village and I was sitting on that first row. And I saw over a hundred children get off that bus Amen. and run over in the front yard of the church into their Sunday school room. I said, no telling how many of these little ones would be saved today. 
all because of one young man had great zeal to get out and run up and down the streets and get people out to get on that bus. Great zeal to work. What's happened to that? I, I'm close to 90, but I, I want God to give me that zeal. Amen. Would you pray for me? And God, help me keep that zeal. Yes. Zeal for the Bible. Zeal for the house of God. Zeal in giving. Zeal for people. Zeal for God's work. Give for zeal for God's servants and give for right. Seven great zeals. I need those zeals. I want to keep it. Lord, help me. Help me to have it. I stand with our heads bowed. I want to pray, and then we'll have an invitation hymn. I'll turn it over to the pastor, Lord Jesus. I want you to forgive me and help, help me to have zeal and never lose that zeal for God. Help me to be like Jehu. Help me to be able to say that. Bless the dear ones here today in this service and draw us close unto thee, very close, and help us. We ask it in Jesus' name.